This audio portion of tonight's teaching will be available on our podcast app uh, tomorrow. So if you uh, have to cut away from the video live stream, uh, you can go back and listen to the audio of it a little bit later, as well as I will upload a copy of my notes tonight for you to be able to use at home. So tonight is part five of our spiritual gifts teaching. And uh, as we begin, we're going to begin with our missionary spotlight. And tonight I want to spotlight BGMC. That is the Boys and Girls Missionary Crusade, BGMC. BGMC is the missions education program for all kids in the Assemblies of God. BGMC equips kids to know, to care, to pray, to give, and to reach the lost. We have a twofold purpose to reach the children of the world and to create a heart of compassion in kids. Each week that your kids give an offering in Faith Kids, it goes to BGMC. I'm telling you, Elisha, my son, he loves it when his papa and Gigi, as well as his mama, gives him some dollars. And you can hear him saying, Buddy Barrel, Buddy Barrel. He's going to put it in his Buddy Barrel, and he is going to raise money for BGMC. And each time your child gives an offering in Faith Kids, all that is going towards BGMC. But hey, adults, you get to participate in this as well. See, on October the 7th, Pastor Phyllis is leading a kids takeover for that Sunday morning service. And there is going to be a special offering received that is going just for BGMC. So you're going to have an opportunity to uh, give to BGMC on October the 17th. And can't wait to see all that comes of that. So just want to thank you for your faithfulness in giving. Thank you for your faithfulness in giving in missions. We believe this year is going to be a record year for missions giving across the board here at Faith. And, And it's all because of your generosity. Okay, if you have your Bibles there at home, and I understand some of you may be watching on your phone, and that is your Bible, uh, just bear with us. Like I said, I'll upload these notes uh, a little bit later tonight for you to be able to read. But we are going to be looking in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we read last week in Romans chapter 12, and the week before that was Ephesians chapter 4, as we've been doing this deep dive into spiritual gifts. One of the things I believe for the church in America today, and this includes our church, is I believe that the Lord wants to begin to manifest these giftings in and across the board in our churches today and in America. The whole benefit of and the process of spiritual gifts is that to reach and teach and and take the gospel into the world. It's to help equip us to be able to meet the specific needs that we may face. As well as there's a lot of other things that we've been covering, and I hope you've been enjoying this. This is part five, and if you've got your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to begin reading in verse number one. Are you ready? All right, let's dive in. Verse one of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is out of the ESV translation. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but it's the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them in everything, in everyone. To each, verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And we begin in verse 8. 
For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. And those are our passages tonight. We can continue to read in verse number 9, because we're going to be taking these, uh, the rest of these spiritual gifts each week through October. Verse 9 continues. says, To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, To another, verse 10, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. And verse 11, this is very important. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And tonight, we are going to be talking about the spiritual gift of, as the ESV says, the utterance of wisdom and the utterance of knowledge, or as most translations say, the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. Now, just like it was important for us to understand the context when we read out of Romans last week, it's very important that we understand the context in Paul's writing tonight into the church in Corinth. So just like we read in Romans 12 and Ephesians 4, the context for Paul's writing gives us a better understanding of why he wrote what he wrote. In Romans, for instance, the gifts listed there were called gifts of grace, if you remember us talking about that last week. And Paul's writings encouraged unification of the church. Paul's letter to the Corinthian church is of great importance as well. See, here's the deal. Corinth was a powerful city and had a vast array of diversity. Corinth was also very secular and pagan in their practices. The new believers in Corinth had to navigate the differences of pagan society and faith in Jesus. The Corinthian church, like its city, was also diverse and due to its location had a mixture of both Jewish and Greek believers. And what was bringing about conflict is that these Jewish and Greek believers They had a conflict of practice, right? If you remember, even in Romans chapter 12 last week, when we talked about uh, the situation in the church and how Paul was to bring unity, desiring to bring unity, uh, a lot of the Jewish believers were taking the old tradition that was founded in the old law, the old covenant, and were trying to impose that upon the Greek believers, which in turn was causing uh, confrontations and therefore dissension among the church. And so the Apostle Paul was coming in and he's saying, hey, we're all serving the same Jesus. We're all serving the same Lord. We were all sinners. We're all equal at the foot of the cross. There's not anyone greater than the other. We're all equal. And the Apostle Paul, because of these different divisions that are found and the different diversities even that are found in, uh, in Corinth, He is speaking to the church in Corinth because a lot of these practices have began to show up in the church. And so he's trying to bring unification there as well as some correction. And so that's the purpose of this message. He's he's bringing conflict. Uh, Excuse me. I'm going to reread this sentence because I am all kinds of off. And everybody in the comments says, amen, pastor. Yes, you are. All right. The Corinthian church, like its city, was also diverse and due to its location, had a mixture of both Jewish and Greek believers bringing conflict of practices. That's what I was trying to say. The Apostle Paul addresses the problems that plague the church and along with instruction gives counsel to new believers. So. Let's dive into the first gift we're looking at in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. The utterance of wisdom, or the word 
of wisdom. Something that's important to note about Corinth, the city there, is that the city was full of intellectuals. It was a very booming city. It was a very um, um, high up there, I guess you would say, city. They had a lot of uh, universities there, so there were very, very intelligent people there. And uh, so they were known for the intellectuality. Something special that they would do in Corinth was not only did they host sporting events every other year, but they also hosted speaking tournaments or like debates. These events would pit individuals against one another to see who could outwit the other. The church, like the secular culture, preferred eloquent speaking, not like what you're getting tonight apparently, they preferred eloquent speaking and that is shown even in their preference early on in 1 Corinthians where they start talking about how they preferred Apollos's teaching over Paul's teaching. That's what spurred Paul to talk about the baptism being of Jesus and that you're not baptized under Apollos' teaching. You're not baptized under Paul's doctrine, but we're baptized under the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Now, in, in this city's search for intellectual um, in intellectuality, what you see is they're looking for wisdom. They're looking for knowledge. That's what they desired. That's what they it was just driving the bus for the city. And the downside of the wisdom of the people looked for was that it was world, worldly wisdom and not godly wisdom. Now, if you want to turn me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we're going to see Paul begin to address the wisdom side of things right off the bat in the church in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, beginning, it says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Verse 21. For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. Verse 22. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Verse 25, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful, but many were of noble birth. Verse 27, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Verse 30. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Verse 31, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in 
the Lord. So Paul is just dismantling worldly wisdom right off the bat in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians. He's recognizing that the culture is looking and they're seeking out those who are deemed wise. And he is just taking it and he is just ripping it to shreds. And he's saying, you know what? Our faith, our trust in Jesus is not based on worldly wisdom, but it's based on the revelation of who Jesus is based upon what the Holy Spirit has spoken to us and revealed to us through the testimonies of believers. So Paul spends much of the first chapter dismantling worldly wisdom and desires of it and places it simply on the message of the cross. Jesus became the wisdom of God through his death and resurrection. So you might be saying, all right, pastor, this is all well and good. But what is the word of wisdom or what is the utterance of wisdom? Taken from Dr. Craig Keener's book, Gift Giver, on page 115, this is what he says concerning the utterance of wisdom. Dr. Keener says that we can safely say that what Paul meant when referring to the utterance of wisdom is that it represents the revelation of divine mysteries based on insight into God's purposes rather than human reasoning. You know, there's a lot about uh, Scripture today that we try to interpret based on our um, based on our understanding, based on human reasoning, that just does not and cannot fit into the the context of what the Scripture is trying to say. And that's where Paul is talking about the importance of the word of wisdom or the utterance of wisdom, this godly wisdom that's given by the Holy Spirit in these giftings to the church. Is that this? One that operates in the gift of wisdom would be able to communicate Scripture effectively and within its proper context, revealing God's plan for us today. See, when we begin to take Scripture and try to dissect it based on our understanding or based on our Western lenses, we begin to to see this picture of who God is that just does not fit with the overall picture of who God is listed out in Scripture. And here is where the gift of wisdom comes along, the utterance of wisdom, to be able to speak in wisdom, is to be able to take a passage of Scripture and understanding the context, it's able to communicate clearly so that the hearer can understand and can see the big picture of who God is And the plan that God has. Now, what is the plan that God has? The plan that God has is first and foremost salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. And those that operate in the gift of wisdom is just like in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the apostle Paul was writing. Let's begin to look back there. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever sees Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but it's the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So we understand the importance of wisdom today, godly wisdom, is to be able to effectively communicate Scripture and point the hearer 
in the direction of Jesus Christ, who is God's purpose for us today. Amen? All right, here we go. You ready? If you're ready, say I'm ready in comments. I'm watching. Let's continue. The utterance of knowledge or the word of knowledge. Just like the utterance of wisdom, the utterance of knowledge are two gifts that work hand in hand with one another. So when you see, uh, a lot of times when you see someone who operates with the gift of wisdom, they're also operating with the gift of knowledge. Those, those two gifts typically go hand in hand with one another. And as I flip over to my next page, my third page tonight, so let's begin to look at this. We just talked about the gift of wisdom, and wisdom is correctly communicating or interpreting the scripture, and this is where knowledge differs. Wisdom is correctly communicating or interpreting the scripture, while knowledge is doing that as well as being versed in a deep understanding of the text. So I'm going to read that one more time. Wisdom is correctly communicating or interpreting the scripture, while knowledge is also doing that, it is also being well versed in a deep understanding of the text. I don't know if you remember when we were talking about in part four out of Romans chapter 12, but we were talking about the gifts of grace that are listed in Romans chapter 12 and how that some theologians refer to those gifts as residential or as natural. And what that simply means is that those gifts uh, in the commonplace can technically be learned by non-believers or those that, those that are in the secular world. However, as we talked about the phrases residential and natural to describe some of the giftings that we could consider to learn gift, this terminology does not say the ability is within the individual, but rather as an individual, we rely on God through Jesus and the Holy Spirit to develop these gifts inside. We talked about last week how uh, even though um, some gifts may seem natural, uh, there's nothing that we do today that is natural. Everything we do is supernatural. The fact that you're able to watch, the fact that you're able to listen right now, the fact that you're able to comment, that is supernatural. It's the Lord that is allowing you to do that. So every aspect of what we do, sometimes, you know, I say this all the time, we get a little joke, but you know what? It is sometimes a supernatural act of God just to go to Walmart, right? And that's just the reality of things. Everything we do, even though it appears natural, is supernatural. And one of the things that you could look at, because you see in secular society, you see knowledge, right? But where knowledge applies in Scripture and in today's world in the Christian believer is that we are asking the Lord to show us in detail how to interpret the Scriptures. The Apostle Paul encourages the Corinthian church later on to continue to grow in knowledge. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 6, the Apostle Paul says, Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? So Paul is saying the importance of knowledge. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the Apostle Paul is also writing to the church in Corinth in verse 7. And he says, but as you excel in everything, but as you excel in everything, and it could be read as, but as you excel in faith, 
as you excel in speech, as you excel in knowledge, as you excel in all earnestness, and as you excel in love, see that you excel in this act of grace also. And so the Apostle Paul is encouraging the church to continue to grow in knowledge and to seek the Lord, to seek his guidance, to have knowledge developed. Due to the importance of knowledgeable speech in the culture of Corinth, it can be implied that for the gospel to spread throughout the region, knowledge was a necessary gift of the church. And I will say that in today's society that we have, the ability to be educated is so easily attainable to the majority of America. It's very important that the church today begin to become knowledgeable. And when I say knowledgeable, uh, my wife and I was talking about a talking about something today, talking about knowledge. And what was being said was that today's culture in the church, we typically look at enough scripture to support our personal beliefs and justification of our personal actions that we just get enough knowledge that we can defend that. But we don't have the knowledge to be able to correctly interpret scripture. Now, don't let me step on any any toes right here, but I was listening to a podcast that I thought was very funny the other day. Uh, I will use a scripture that is taken out of context so many times, but yet we just can't quit using it because it just sounds so good, right? In Matthew, Jesus, in, in the context of church discipline, Jesus tells his disciples, where there are two or three gathered in my name, I will be there in the midst. I will be there, right? That's what we see in the scripture. Where two or three are gathered in my name, I will be there. And I'm going to tell you, that is a favorite scripture to quote when we're opening up service, when we're doing something special. And, And I believe it applies. But I also believe that wherever I am, as long as I'm serving the Lord, Jesus is there. And so when you look at that, We look at this scripture and we take it out of context so many times because, man, we can get some amens off that. The podcast I was listening to, they said that they were in a church one time getting ready to preach and and the worship leader opened with that scripture. And he's like, wow, I didn't know it was church discipline Sunday. Right. And so uh, so that may be what you I might open with service this coming Sunday and just tell you that where two or three are gathered in Jesus name. He will be there and we'll just call it discipline Sunday. How about that? So. That's why it's important for the church today to operate in the gift of knowledge and to seek the gift of knowledge. Due to the importance of knowledgeable speech, it's very important that we operate with knowledge so we can spread the gospel. So you might be asking, Pastor, what is the gift of knowledge? Simply put, the gift of knowledge has been confused. This is very important to note because I was confused on this a couple of years ago as well, based on some teaching that I had received. The gift of knowledge has been confused with the gift of prophecy or the gift of revelation in Western churches. It has been taught that when someone reveals something that is unknown, that it is knowledge because the individual has knowledge of the unknown situation. Right? Many times you've seen that. Um, it may be that... Uh, there may be uh, someone who's speaking and he and he's going to talk to someone or going to pray with somebody. And he says, hey, I, um, I know you're dealing with this in your life. Right. And we're like, wow, that's the gift of knowledge. Well, why does people think that that's the gift of knowledge? Because it's knowledge. <laughs> the individual speaking was given knowledge 
of a situation that was made known to him by only the Holy Spirit. And therefore, in many Western churches, we ascribe that to being the gift of knowledge. And that goes back to the importance of understanding and having the gift of knowledge that we're looking at Scripture as a whole in its context and not through our Western lenses based on terminology. Because, in fact, if something is revealed, it may be, yes, that they are sharing something that is uh, not known. And they are now, because of the Holy Spirit, having knowledge of a situation. That's actually the gift of prophecy or a gift of revelation because there is a revelatory insight given. So this is what the gift of knowledge is. The gift of knowledge in the context of Paul's writings, and that's what we have to put it in. That's how we have to look at the gift of wisdom. That's how we have to look at the gift of knowledge. Um, The context in Paul's writings refers to a deep understanding of culture and context of biblical text and has the ability to communicate it effectively. The gift of knowledge in the context of Paul's writings refers to a deep understanding of culture and context of biblical text and has the ability to communicate it effectively. So here's some final thoughts. The difference that the Apostle Paul is communicating is the difference between learned and inspired. Right. When it terms of knowledge, you can have learned knowledge. You can have book knowledge. Right. You go to school, you go to a class, you are trained, you are taught and you have learned knowledge. Uh, The secular world can learn scripture. They can go and study the context for where that scripture was written. However, without the inspired knowledge, they're not able to put all the pictures together. They're not, all, they're not able to put all the pieces together. So as a believer, we are not just ascribing uh, to a learned knowledge or a learned wisdom. We want to experience inspired knowledge. And that means we are doing our part to study, but the Holy Spirit is coming alongside of us to give us in-depth understanding so we can take all the pieces of Scripture and put them together to get the whole picture. And so here's this. I want to encourage you, church, as our prayer for the week is that we would pray, Heavenly Father, we ask that you would expand your knowledge and your wisdom in our lives.